0: Allow me to begin by saying good morning again to those of you who are here in this room in our traditional sanctuary with me and I wanna say welcome. Also especially to those of you right now who are joining us by video in our contemporary service or online perhaps at some distance. I'm glad that you're here. I'm grateful that all of us are here together to learn from the scriptures, to grow together in life in Jesus Christ. We started a new series together last week on what was the kickoff Sunday to our fall season This series is called Breakthrough, and we're learning to receive and to experience, to live in the breakthrough of God. We talked last week about the value of living life in Christ, to know God as we meet God in Christ, and to live life in the way of Christ. We talked about the cost of discipleship to Jesus, but we talked also about the cost of non-discipleship to Jesus. What's the cost in our lives if we choose to live by our own instincts and by our own vision and by our own power and in the coming weeks we're going to learn about the things that we do together as a church family about the way that we organize our life together to grow in Christ when we come together for worship gatherings on Sunday morning and what are we doing here and what does that mean how we live together in community especially in our growth groups and in our service commitments and service partnerships practical ways that we organize our life together in Christ Today I want to talk to you about one other step that we are exploring together as a church and that is the process of considering a new name for our church. And at first that may seem like an odd thing to handle in a sermon, like really, a marketing tactic in a sermon? And if you have any gut feeling like that, I just want to say, I get it, in fact, I've thought it. I really wrestled my way through that myself, not only in the weeks but in the months leading up to today in preparation for today. And And what I realized as I thought and prayed about that is I think that we really need to talk about the spiritual value of what we're doing here. In fact, I think this process that we've been engaged in together as a church family of considering a new name for ourselves has revealed, has, has brought us to a learning moment, has presented us with a learning moment. And if we don't engage in this moment, if we misunderstand I think it'll hold us back from becoming, from continuing to become the kind of people that God continues to call us to be. Now, I just want to acknowledge that some of you are here today probably for the very first time, and some of you may be checking us out online, and you're like, well, that's kind of interesting for you, but I'm just here for the first time. Why would I care about that? And I understand that. And I want to reassure you that what we're talking about here today is a message about the heart of God for his people and for his world. And I hope that this would be a message that also is encouraging to your heart about the heart of God for you and your world. And to engage in this moment that I think we can learn from, I wanna just begin rooted in the scriptures, in the Bible, in the story from the book of Acts that we are learning from all throughout this breakthrough series. And it's found in the book of Acts chapter 10. It's a story about two guys whose names are Cornelius and Peter. If you were here last week, you heard the beginning of the story. Cornelius was a guy who had life together on the outside, was doing pretty well, career was going fine. But on the inside, there was some deep brokenness. On the inside, he was a seeker after God and no doubt had been told and probably believed for himself that he was fundamentally the wrong kind of person to actually get to know God, to break through into life fully lived in the community of God's people. And God sent Cornelius a vision He sent Cornelius an angel who said to Cornelius, what you need to do next is send some of your men to go find in Joppa, a town nearby down the coast, a guy whose name is Simon. They call him Peter, and you should bring him back. Well, in the second installment of the story that we're reading today, God sent a vision also to Peter so that when these guys, the Cornelius arrives, sends to Peter, when they arrive, Peter will receive them well and go with them. God sends Peter a vision, And Peter sees this very unusual thing. Peter looks up into the heavens and he sees an image, a vision of a large sheet being let down from heaven full of all kinds of animals, quadrupeds, birds, all kinds of things. And a voice from God says to Peter, Peter, get up, kill one and eat them. Kill and eat. And all the carnivores in the room are like, go God. That's the word from God that I wanted to receive but for Peter, there were animals in that sheet that were unclean, that were biblically prohibited for him and all of the Israelites to eat. And he says, God, what do you, no, I've never done that in my whole life. Why would I do that? And God says, Peter, don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. And then it happens a second time. No, God, I can't do that. And God says, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. A third time, the same thing, the same word from God. Don't call anything unclean. That I've made clean. And then the sheet is taken up into heaven and the vision disappears and there's a knock on the door and the people from Cornelius have arrived. Now, most Christians, I think, over the centuries have understood this passage to be the moment, to be the moment above all when God puts an end to what we would now call Old Testament food laws. And it's a very common sense kind of reading of the passage. You get why we get there. But there are a number of scholars who think that this is not the best way to read that passage, and and I'm among them, and I'll, I'll tell you why. For one thing, when Peter finishes seeing this vision, the first thing that we read is that Peter is still wondering about what this vision means. Now, that doesn't seal the deal at all, but if what this vision meant was that you're supposed to get up, kill, and eat the animals that are in the sheet, that's pretty straightforward. And why is Peter still wondering about that? Now, sometimes we do wonder and hesitate when we get a clear command from God, but it does make me question a little bit, is that what it's supposed to mean or not? And then, also, Luke, the author of this story, who could have chosen to write it in any number of ways and include different details and create space or less space in the story, as soon as that vision is gone, the next thing he tells us is that the men from Cornelius have arrived. This is how he tells it here, Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 17. Verse 17. Now, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, at that moment, the spirit who had given him the vision in the first place said to Simon, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I, who sent you the vision, have sent them. Now, it's almost as if Luke is putting these two things together and inviting the reader to to say, like, to the reader, do do you get it? Do, Do you get what I'm saying here? And then as we're still wondering about it, he spells it out and I think gives us the answer. Peter, in the installment of the story that we're going to read next week, lays it out for him. He says what he's learned. When Peter goes to Caesarea, where Cornelius lives, he gets there and Cornelius says, I got this vision from God. And Peter goes, whoa, I got this vision from God. And then this is what Peter says in Acts 10, verse 34, what he now has learned or realized. When Peter began to speak, then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And actually, just a little bit earlier in that same reading, Peter says, he says, God has shown me that I should not call any one impure that God has made clean. That's how Peter actually understands this vision, less than being about food laws. This is a vision where God continues to push his people, continues to nudge his people to catch up to him in God's own mission to bring into his family in Christ those who are not here yet. And those who are on the inside like Peter need to be nudged, need to be reminded. We who are on the inside get comfortable sometimes We forget about those who are on the outside. And I think we learn from this story that those who are on the outside also equally need to be nudged. Cornelius didn't think he was able to break in. He thought, I'm not ever going to be welcomed. I can't be accepted. I can't belong. And God has to send a vision to break through to both of them. Now, this creates a little bit of a, a tension for us. And this, I think, is the important learning moment for our church family. Because sometimes we experience something of a conflict here. On the one hand, there is this irresistible, undeniable mandate and mission of God to bring into his family to seek after those whom Jesus called lost sheep. God is after them to bring them in, and this we know about God when we meet God in Christ. And at the same time, there is the equally uncompromising commitment to the truth of God, to obedience to God, to growth and holiness to God, no matter who doesn't like it. And sometimes we think that there might be a conflict here, that in order to reach out to more people, we'd have to water down the message to make it palatable to more people. And that if we wanted to invest in growth and holiness and obedience and truth, that somehow we have to be distant from the people and almost not understandable to them. Or to put it more colloquially, we might be tempted to believe or to fear that in order to be wide, we have to be shallow, or to be deep, we have to be narrow but this is not the case. God had to challenge Peter as he's had to challenge his people probably in every generation and all throughout the scriptures, and I think us too, to realize that this is a false choice. We don't have to pick. In fact, we don't get to pick. Peter had to learn it was both, and so do we. And so we are just never, ever, ever going to stop being passionately concerned about those who are not here yet, the lost sheep, We're going to go after them as Jesus did. And people may criticize us for that. That's okay. In fact, some of us who are here today, that's who we are. That's been our story. We were those who were once far off and have now, by the grace of God in Christ, been brought near. And some of you who are here in this room or joining us by video in our contemporary service or online, you might think that's me right now. That's who I am. I'm just checking this thing out. I'm just taking my first steps. And I want to say to you, if that's you, this is is a church for you. This is a place for you because Jesus said it would be and we want to follow him. And people may criticize us for that. They criticize Jesus for that. And honestly, I've gotten in trouble enough times in my life for not following Jesus. It'd be nice to do it for following Jesus for once in my life. At the same time, we are not going to compromise biblical truth. We're not gonna compromise our identity. We're not gonna stop being who we are to try to make it more acceptable to more people. Frankly, that doesn't make any sense anyway. I mean, can you imagine saying, I would like to share what I have learned and received and experienced from God and Jesus Christ. I would like to share that with other people who have not received it yet. So first, I'm going to take the substance out of it before I give it to them. That doesn't make any sense at all. I'm not going to do that. I think that throughout this process, some people in our congregation, I don't, I'm not saying this is any one individual, but if this is you, I I think some of us have grown concerned that that's what we're doing and exploring a new name for ourselves, that we're changing our identity. That we're gonna change who we are, the substance of who we are, the heart of who we are, the history of who we are, just to make it more palatable or acceptable to more people. To go wide, that we'd have to go shallow. And if that's you, if you've had that concern, the first thing that I just wanna say to you is thank you. Thank you for being concerned about that. We ought to be concerned about that. We're not gonna do that. In fact, that's the second thing I want to tell you is we're just not going to do that. It doesn't make any sense. We're, the purpose of this process has been to communicate to those on the outside who we are on the inside, not to change who we are. Now, let me take a few minutes and speak to you about this name in particular that we have proposed, Community of Grace Lutheran Church. I think this name Roots us deeply in our Christian identity. It reflects some very important biblical truths. It says that we're a part of this community of grace that has been rolling since at least the time that Jesus called his first disciples and surrounded himself with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and a few Pharisees and religious leaders thrown in for good measure. Since the days of the earliest church, it has been a community of grace. And on its best days, it has continued to be a community of grace from the very beginning. It roots us in some important biblical truths in our history. And also for as gentle as it sounds, a community of grace. I think it also stands in some very helpful and constructive tension with the ways of the world in which we live. On the one hand, it says that we will be a community, a people, not a mere assembly of individuals who happen to occupy the same address for a little while on Sunday morning, each of us seeking our own interests or to better ourselves or to receive or grow in something that's important to us but to be formed together as a community committed to one another, to learn to bear with one another in love, to forgive one another, to welcome one another, to love one another as Christ has first loved us, to be not merely persons, but a people of Christ together. And that we will be a community of grace, which is unlike what we experience in most of our lives. In most of our lives, the systems in which we live We find our value. You are about as valuable as what have you done for me lately. Our value is established by our abilities and our appearance and our accomplishments. And when those things aren't going so well, then it looks like our value goes down. But we are a community of God's grace in Jesus Christ where our value is established regardless of those things and very often in spite of those things, thanks be to God. And in fact, this grace that we learn about in the scriptures, that we experience and learn about in the person of Jesus, that we teach in this place as a Christian community, this grace is so much better, so much sweeter, so much stronger than the world's version of mere I'm okay, you're okay tolerance. Because the truth is we're not okay and we know it. That we have messed up. Some of us think that we have not only messed up in our lives, but that perhaps we have messed up our lives, and that inside of us we are messed up, and we need grace. The word grace implies the need for grace, and we need a safe place where we can tell the truth about that, where we can say it out loud to ourselves and to one another, and dare we say, in the presence of God, and come to a place where we can speak the truth about that. And then know that in all of our not okayness, that Jesus has welcomed us anyway, invited us to his table, welcomed us into the family of God, friends laid down his life for us to die for us and with us and raised again by the power of God to new life and to pour out his spirit on us to take what's his and give it to us because he's taking what's ours upon himself and to make us a new people and by his grace with us to make us gracious by his grace with us to turn us into a community of grace. It's by his grace that we become this people. I think this is a powerful name. And I think it tends to unveil and reveal more and more the longer that you think about it. There is more to this name than meets the eye, which I think is a good thing. But if you don't mind me saying so, I think it also meets the eye pretty well. And we've been through a long process to help us understand whether that's the case or not. We first began exploring this name in our church family back in March and April. We sent out a letter after our church council deliberated on this. We sent out a letter to our whole congregation. And then Pastor Angie and I stood together in front of the congregation one Sunday morning and shared why we would begin this process of exploration. And then we hosted four question and answer sessions, our church council leadership and I, and then four listening groups to which everyone was invited and many attended. And then on May 1st, on a Sunday morning, I stood in front of you and shared a message about why we would explore this process. Not about the name Community of Grace Lutheran Church, because as far as I know, nobody had thought of it yet, but why we would seek God's guidance on this. And then in response to that message, there was a card in your bulletin, like there is this morning, or similar to it, and hundreds of you used that card and responded to the invitation to offer your suggestions, name ideas, images, thoughts that come to mind that might help generate a name among us, things you value, attributes about our church that are most important to you. and our church council and our staff and our pastors, we read through those cards. Some of you submitted those ideas online, too. We prayed over them, thought about them, looked for trends and groups of ideas, identified leading suggestions. And then we began to gather some focus groups, first here inside our church family. In fact, we gathered 11 focus groups inside our church all on one night together, Again, to which everyone was invited and hundreds participated. And we talked about the attributes of our church and the first impressions that we'd like to share and evaluated and responded to some name suggestions. I think it was really in the aftermath of those focus groups that the name Community of Grace Lutheran Church began to emerge. And I can tell you with all candor that I do not know, and as far as I know, I don't think anybody knows who said it first, which I love because it, it helps indicate that this name didn't come from any one of us, not me or anybody else, but it came from us together. And then, if our purpose has been to communicate faithfully who we are on the inside, well, we talked together here on the inside, to those who are on the outside, we decided, let's ask the people on the outside, how well are we communicating? And we gathered some focus groups. We gathered two focus groups at a neighborhood Caribou Coffee that involved only people who are outside of our church family. Some of whom are not church attenders at all, and some of whom attend other churches. And we asked them for their input. That was a very helpful conversation. And then we did a broader, more quantitative look, and we conducted a survey of the 200 people who have been sellers at our annual community garage sale. We scrubbed the list of those who are part of First Lutheran, because we've been talking to ourselves already. And we asked people who uh, have been here, connected enough to our church that they would bother to fill out our survey, but also still outside our church. And, Ask them for their responses to what they know about our church and what their impressions are and to some of these name ideas we had been coming up with. and We found a lot of very interesting things, two of which I'd like to highlight for you today. First of all, the very interesting and encouraging reality that between two-thirds and three-quarters of them, again, outside of our church, who said that they think about attending church either from time to time or often. And for those of you who sometimes think about inviting your neighbors or friends or coworkers or family or somebody, to your church family, to hear about the good news of God's grace in Christ. that may be encouraging you to know that many of them are thinking about it pretty regularly already before you bring it up. But then directly relevant to to the name selection process, we asked them for their feedback on a number of the suggestions that our church had generated. And there's a little bar graph up here that shows you their response to the name Community of Grace Lutheran Church. And you can see in the bars on the left side that the responses that were favorable and strongly favorable were very strong. Easily the most favorable response of any of the names that we've shared with them. Probably my favorite remark in this process of asking for the opinion of outsiders came from one of the Caribou focus groups. I didn't attend personally. I didn't want to wreck the sample. But the folks in our congregation who facilitated those focus groups did a wonderful job. And I read through the transcripts. And one of the people who, had, who attended that had previously attended our church one time. She'd been invited by one of our members. And she said when she heard the name Community of Grace Lutheran Church... And I'll tell you that in response to some of the other names, they felt very free to express their displeasure. And then they got to this name, and our focus group facilitator said you could just see the body language change in the room. And one person said, yes, Community of Grace, that's what you are. When I visited there, I could tell that you loved one another, and you welcomed me too. Community of Grace, Lutheran Church. I'll share with you that early in this process, A friend of mine who's a pastor, I shared with him that we were just beginning this and exploring this together, and he put a hand on my shoulder and prayed for me, and his prayer for our church was that God would lead us to a name that specifically reflected God's anointing for us, our special calling in the body of Christ. There are different churches that serve different purposes, like members of one body. And I I just can't help but wonder if the response of that woman in that focus group isn't perhaps an indication that, that that's an answer to that prayer to the character of our particular life and calling together. The second half of this proposed name, Community of Grace Lutheran Church, is also very important. It helps communicate and reinforce our rootedness in our heritage, in the Christ-centered, biblical teachings of the Lutheran Reformation. It communicates some helpful, important information about our church in a shorthand way to those who understand what that language means. Now, we probably won't use the full name. We probably won't say that all the time, every time that we say our name, just like we don't right now, nor honestly does any other Lutheran church or most churches that I've ever encountered. But it will officially be part of the name. It's proposed to be, and it would be searchable and findable and recognizable by anyone who knows that they're looking for that. Now, before we get to the closing part of this message... I do want to share with you that i think that this proposed name also has some weaknesses and it's okay to talk about that there are strengths and weaknesses to everything you've probably ever done in life and it's okay to acknowledge that on the one hand all change comes with a cost all change comes with a cost there's also usually a pretty high cost to choosing not to change there's a cost with that and we can acknowledge that i would also say that this name community of grace lutheran church is a little bit longer maybe than ideally I wish that would have been. It's a little bit of a mouthful. I can tell you that our communications staff and key volunteers also know that it's a little bit of a mouthful, probably a little longer than they ideally were hoping for. But we've chosen to err on the side of content and clarity and to err less on the side of soundbite efficiency. And That's a trade off I'm perfectly comfortable with. Some of you have no doubt also thought to yourself, it's not the most original name in the world, and that's true, and I'm okay with that too. We're not trying to reinvent church and brand new language for stuff. We're just trying to communicate clearly to those on the outside what kind of Christian community they would expect to find on the inside. And I and the rest of our church's leadership believe that this name accomplishes that purpose very well. This has been a journey. And I don't mind telling you that I have learned stuff over the course of the last six, seven months of this process. And I know many other people have too. And I want to share with you kind of by way of closing here the story of one other person who has been through a journey like this. Many of you will know her name. Her name is Sandy Anderson. and Sandy actually grew up in this congregation. She's been here her whole life. She's been here about 50 years and she told me it was okay to say that out loud in front of you. And Sandy's a member of our church council, been an active participant in many of our ministries over the years. And because of the journey she's been through and because of her lifelong membership here and decades of membership, she has a perspective to share that really only very few of us can also claim. And I sat down with her this week so that she could share her journey with you. So I'd invite you to please take a look at this video. Well, Sandy, could you maybe go ahead and get started by just sharing a little bit about your background?
1: Sure. You know, I belong to First Lutheran basically my whole life. I've been here close to 50 years now. And uh, grew up here, attended Sunday school, was confirmed here, was married here. Um, My husband is from First Lutheran met here yeah you know, back when I was 16. Uh, we've raised our three daughters here as well.
0: You know since since I've been here and mm-hmm. I've been here 12 and a half years now I think I got to know you right away at the beginning through ministries you were involved in. I've seen you involved in so much different stuff. What are the what are the areas of First Lutheran's life that you've been a part of?
1: Um, I've been a Sunday school teacher pretty much since I was 20 here and uh, love working with the, the kids on Sunday morning. Um, I also have taught confirmation or been a small group leader or guide. Uh, I have been in a community group, uh, growth groups uh, in charge of things like our, our Rally Day picnic back in the day in family camp and things like that. And, and this year I've added to my experience by uh, being part of the church council.
0: Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great segue. So you're part of our church council, part of the leadership body for our church. And as we were at the very beginning of considering renaming our church, I know that was an idea that was hard for you at first. Can you share with people a little bit about how you first received that idea?
1: Sure never check your email right before bed because I opened the email that introduced the idea of renaming our church um, right before I went to sleep that night and my first reaction was one of um, kind of that tight feeling in your stomach and throat of why Why do we want to do that? Um, it's a perfectly good name, it's a perfectly good church, I love it the way it is. Uh, so my first reaction was kind of one of, I don't know, fear, doubt. Um, but as I started considering it, I, re- I reread the email, and I began to see that the fear of changing our name um, was because of my comfort. I liked it the way it was. I grew up here; it's it's been a part of my life, my whole life. Um, but it's not my church; it's God's church. And if He's leading us towards this, Maybe I need to be open to that discussion and see where he takes us. And so that began a transformation in my attitude towards that and my excitement about the process.
0: What some people may not know is that that email that you referred to, that was an email that I sent to the church council to say, hey, here's something that I'd like for us to take up and consider. And I wanted you all to see and have a chance to pray about it and think about it ahead Mm -hmm. of time.
1: You know, The name First Lutheran has been a name that has served us well. For years, and, and it, it had its its time and its its purpose in identifying who we are, but it doesn't tell the story anymore because, you know, we have we have become this community of grace.
0: You've been a member here your whole life. Uh, do, do you think that gives you any unique perspective on this kind of transition?
1: Well, this church has been through a lot of transitions over the years, and almost all of them are initially met with some fear and hesitation. Um, I've sat in meetings for changes in service times, hymnal colors, um, staff, all sorts of things. And initially there is fear and discomfort because it's different. but I can tell you that when we have gone through those changes, when we have moved forward together with God's guidance, um, the, the church has become richer and better and our mission more focused and, and change is a good thing. It's just the next progression. You know, First Lutheran has been this; has built this great foundation and base of people and ministries. And now I feel like God's just calling us out further. It's, it's not changing who we are, what we're doing here. It's building off what we've done here. Just to, like I said, throw our doors open wider and, and invite more people to join what we have.
0: We've been, in the Christian church, in the Christian family, we've been a community of grace for 2,000 years. On our best days, we've been a community of grace from the time that Jesus called people to himself, from the time that Jesus was on a cross between two thieves and said to one of them who turned to him in that moment, today you'll be with me in paradise. And whatever our name is, let's continue to be that people. Let's be a people who lives by the amazing grace of God in Jesus Christ. And yet, in about six weeks, we are gonna get to choose a name for our church. We'll gather together in a congregational meeting and it's our gathered church family who will vote on this name. And I say with all honesty that as we get together, if, if you believe that the name First Lutheran Church really fulfills our mission best, that it holds together this dual calling to constantly, unswervingly reach those who are not here yet and to reinforce our growth in holiness and obedience to God's word and the truth of his word. And that's the name that you should prefer on that day. But of course, we don't vote whether, whichever way we vote. We don't do it like we vote in our larger society. We vote maybe what's best for us. We do this based on what we believe is best for our church community. We do it based on what we believe is best for the mission and vision that God has given us. And if First Lutheran Church were that name, then I would want to be in support of that. But I'm not hiding this from you, of course. You know that I believe, along with the whole rest of our church council and our church staff, with our church leadership, that the name Community of Grace Lutheran Church really serves that mission and vision much better. And if you agree with that, then of course you should come on that day and prefer that name. And then no matter how you vote, and no matter how the votes are tallied up, from that moment forward, we continue our commitment to be a community of grace with one another, to continue to bear with one another in love, and to forgive one another, and learn to love one another as God in Christ has first loved us. Now, finally, in your worship bulletin this morning, there is a little postcard, a white response card, And on there are three questions, two very quick ones on the front and then a third little bit longer one on the back. The first card just reiterates that our purpose in this renaming exploration process has been to communicate more clearly to those on the outside, who we are on the inside. And we just want to know how how strongly do you as a congregation, do we as a people embrace that purpose? This process has been open to the input and shared by our whole congregation all the way through and we're doing it again right now. This is not a congregational meeting. This is not a binding vote. There's nothing legal about this. We just would like to know how is our congregation embracing this purpose? Where are we together as a people? Second question is about the name in particular, Community of Grace Lutheran Church. And whether you see, whether you agree, as our church leadership does, that this name serves that purpose. And you can indicate on a scale of one to five how much you see that. And then finally, on the back of the card, we'd like you just to imagine as this name has been proposed, if, if indeed we rename ourselves on October 30th, Community of Grace Lutheran Church, then can you imagine how that name might help you or all of us together as a church invite more people into the life of the community of Christ here, the life of this church, and to our Savior himself. And you can turn those cards in if you're here in this room Uh, in the offering which we'll receive in just a few minutes or in a basket by the door on your way out at the end of the service. If you're in our contemporary service, we've already received our offering over there and so please just drop that in a basket by the exit doors on your way out after the service today. And if you're watching online or or at some distance, we are open to hearing from you too and would love to. You can call our church office or you can email, uh, email us at the info address that's available on our website. As we close this time of learning together today, let's bow our heads and hearts before God in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have regarded us with grace, that you have found us in our brokenness when there was nothing in us that would turn to you. You came to us and you have put us together. You have taken us who once were not a people and made us a people. We who once were not shown mercy, we have been shown mercy. And you've made us to be a community of grace. And we pray that you will continue to do this work in our hearts, in our lives, in our relationships, in the formation of this church as a people, that you would cause us to be this people. Yeah, we pray that you would lead us forward, faithful to you, faithful to our mission and vision for life together in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.